Welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. This podcast is about learning from and being inspired by people who have been successful because they found what they were passionate about, created something special, and most of all, they gave themselves permission to go and do it. The genesis of this podcast is the inspirational lives of Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and their world-changing impact. The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place advisors come to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello and welcome to the podcast. We are live at the InvestNet Advisor Summit in Charlotte. And not only we are live here at the conference, we have our next guest on the CMO series, Drivers of Revenue, Mary Ellen Dugan, the CMO of InvestNet. Welcome, Mary Ellen. Thank you, Doug. I'm really excited to be here, and thank you for the chance to sit sit, sit down and chat. The title Chief Marketing Officer can mean so many things, and it's often overused. What really is the job? I couldn't agree more, and I think that definition is really sometimes company-specific, right? But at the end of the day, for me, the job of the CMO is to really craft strategically and then to execute the most impactful go-to-market effort that is aligned with the business strategy and the goals of the company. You're really looking to how is marketing going to be a lever to the business. At what point of your career as a marketer did you set your sights on being a CMO and how did you acquire the tool set to get there? It's a great question. I think if my husband were sitting here, he would say, you've been talking about this for Uh, We've been married 20 years, so at least 21 or 22 or 23. And, you know, undergrad, I was a marketing and international business major. And I I think from probably that time onward and getting into marketing. uh, And at that time, I think the CMO job was the the highest job for all marketers. So it's probably something that I really looked at throughout my career. And as I uh, worked for different companies and had different jobs, it was always kind of a North Star for me. How do you mesh sales and marketing in your role? It's such a key part of the job, and many companies don't do it successfully. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think sometimes we don't talk enough about this, although there has been a huge rise uh, in the role of chief revenue officer, and I think that job tends to uh, bring marketing and sales together. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I always look at this, that the marketing job is to bring folks in. You got to get them interested, um, understanding enough about what you're trying to offer or sell. And then you're working in tandem with the sales organization to make sure, did you bring the right people in? And then ultimately, can they have the conversations? But I would say um, the most important element to forging a really good working relationship is joint goals. Doesn't really matter what the goals are. Everybody contributes to revenue. But there are leading indicators up to that. How many leads? Um, how is the demand going? And then for existing clients, are you growing the, the pie? And so I think starting at step one, what are the goals that we're both going to sign up for? And what are the goals that we jointly hold together is really, really key in that relationship. I'm, I'm tired of saying the last two years, but the last two years kind of changed everything for a lot of different business sets within a big company like yours. What has changed and are you focusing on different things and did it allow you to do different things? 
Yeah, I, I'd answer that in a, in a couple ways. And, and uh, as I look at, you know, specifically at InvestNet and, you know, one of our target markets, key target market while we're here today is advisors. And so really looking at, um, I think they're a key, key segment where both is needed, the digital side of, of marketing, as well as that more traditional. So I think while we've been talking about that for a decade of we have to do more digital marketing, we have to, you know, add that to our re- repertoire, you have seen that accelerate at a pace even faster because each of us, no matter what industry you worked in or where you were, you started to work from home. You became a digital, you weren't, maybe you weren't a digital native at the beginning, but now you're an expert, right? So I think the role of digital marketing and the impact that it has in the business has even accelerated further, if that's even possible. And then, but not forgetting that there is a more traditional side and there's still that human interaction. So I think coming out of the pandemic, you know, when I say advisors, I'm like, advisors are the human hero in our story, but how they're going to communicate and interact with their clients is going to be digital. So it's really, really no longer an or, it's an and. You got to have both sides of the fence. And as a CMO, you have to understand both sides of the fence, the human side and the digital side. And the digital side has changed quite a bit as well. It's not just about banner ads and placements. It's a whole world unto itself. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, when you talk about what are the skills you now need as a, as a CMO, um, it is rare that you do not get asked some question about demand generation. I don't care where you sit as a CMO. So you're going to have to explain how are you driving interest and demand for, for your solutions. And today's world, that's largely done digitally. Even at an, a face-to-face event like today, we're going to be tracking how many people use the app. What, was, uh, what were the topics that they used? Um, we'll be tracking then if any, you know, as people came to this, what did we see after that? And all of that comes through marketing technology, whether it's a Salesforce integration or a CRM. So I think there's this real need to understand the technology. Um, any company, company our side, we might have 70 different mar- marketing technologies we're using. So you really have to be a technology forward person to be in marketing today. And then the insight side of what do I do with the data that comes back? So it's really a changed world. You're not just, uh, if you say art and science, Doug, it is definitely art and science these days. And art and science is, is such a great way to put it. Do people who are getting targeted with digital marketing think it's going too far sometimes? Like they're just a number. They're just trying to just engage me, just engage me. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I, I would take that from two ends. Um, some of the research that I've done in uh, in my career is that people are okay with advertising, and that's kind of a change, especially younger people, millennials and uh, Gen X. They don't want, but they want to make sure that it's on target and that it feels that it's the right message. So I think that's a good news for marketers. You can advertise to them; that's great. But to your point of it's got to feel like you targeted me and that it's useful and authentic. That's the key. And that's actually where marketing technology can, can really play a role. You don't need to, uh, you know, scatter every, your message to everybody. You can be very targeted and actually send different messages to people now that feels really uh, intentional for that person. So I think the key is make sure it doesn't feel like it's too generic to everybody that it feels personal and, you know, ultimately perception's reality. So if somebody perceives you sent that to me or that's what I wanted, you're going to win. 
Let's talk about your philosophy about marketing and connecting with clients and prospects. How do you think about that? Yeah, I have a, you know, if you look on my my Twitter, I call it Twitter, and uh, LinkedIn, <laughs> and I have this, uh, you know, I've long held, long being, you know, 15 years, um, that brand equals business. And so for me, the brand is, um, whether it's the corporation or the product brand or whatever, you should not be doing anything and promoting that if you don't, if you can't do the tea leaves and start to connect it back to business. So you have to be just really intentional when I say that of, are we trying to drive awareness? Are we trying to um, uh, educate people? What are we trying to do? So I think um, most important for me is if you can't track back the objective and it doesn't have a metric, ultimately that's lined up with business, um, then you probably shouldn't do it. And I, that's kind of served me well being able to do that. It's a better conversation with the CFO and the business unit lead so you can try to explain something of you know what you're trying to do. Not everything is going to turn into a sale, but you have to tell people how you're taking them on a journey. Being the CMO of a very large company, you have a sizable budget to spend on different things. But does marketing need to be expensive? I do not think it does. I think, you know, well, there's been a couple things that have happened in the last, um, probably the last decade, but certainly over the last year. You know, our friend is technology. And these a lot of these marketing technology um, tools, they actually make, they started their business as freemium or free trials. So I feel that actually helps marketers a lot. You can try some things and figure out if that is actually working or not working. So that's good. I, just, I also think that consumers are more, um, I guess, accepting of a quick change. So I think that, you know, you hear about A-B testing. We tried something and did people like that or we'll try something else. I actually do think people are, um, you know, receptive to that. So I think you can test things a lot more and not have to do a giant campaign um, of, you know, of the past. And so I think that there's some real opportunities. You know, all of us marketers are trying to hit lightning in a bottle, right? It's that, that moment in your career, you're like, wow, that really hit the mark. And that's amazing. Um, you can't plan for the lightning in the bottle, but you can pilot your way in and, and try a bunch of different things. And I think that's probably the key. What makes marketing powerful? Gosh, I hope a lot of things. Um, I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm probably going to go back to that art and science comment. I still think, you know, um, Doug, I was raised on, I sound like a, an ancient person, but I would say early in my career it was about the emotional connection that you were, you know, um, that was the powerful moment when you're emotionally connected to your client or prospect. And I think the game has changed where it's an emotional interaction now, which means I need to connect with you emotionally with great creative, great copy, great contact, but I need you to take an action off of that. And that's where the digital side comes into play. It's no longer enough that you just did great creative. It has to drive some kind of interaction or have you do something. And so I think that's the change. And when you can actually get people to take an action on something you've said or a campaign or content, Boy, you've, you've won, and you got them hooked, and, and that's really where marketing becomes powerful. Who outside of our industry catches your imagination marketing-wise? Gosh, I, there's so many, and, um, and, and frankly, I, you know, I, I'm intrigued with the opportunity within the industry. You know, just a couple weeks ago, Fidelity announced that they're going to be in the meta, metaverse 
for, yeah. for education. And I was intrigued by that. I was like, wow, I wouldn't have expected that. So the things, Not out of them. No, things <laughs> there are, they're trying something, you know, we'll see. So I'm intrigued by um, people that are trying new things and, you know, may not be there in five years or they may take a different um, a different tact. But I think those are intriguing. I think that there are brands that are really, really brave that are pushing on purpose and taking up a cause. And, you know, that's a bold move for, for companies and brands. And you take some arrows for those things as, as many, uh, you know, positives. But I'm just intrigued. I think I've been, I love marketing. It's been around, I've been in it my entire career. And I, I think there's just so much more ahead of for it. We've touched on a couple things that I think you may have already said, but I just want to ask what makes your marketing unique? At InvestNet? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm so excited, and I actually joined the company in talking to Bill Kreger and Stuart Topino when we were talking about the intelligent financial life and this concept of you can connect. People are craving the short and the long-term finances together, and we just did some research that bared that out even further. Um, and so I think it's such a powerful, powerful idea. And with that, um, when I joined, we said it was originally just a white paper and we wanted to build the entire experience. And I think in just a year, you've seen that. And when you talk about um, impact, we launched a campaign in last September, fully vested. It was all about the intelligent financial life and putting some context for what does this mean for different consumers and how are advisors the hero. And typically when you launch a campaign, you get some negative feedback. It's always happened in all my career. This was the first time we didn't, and I was shocked. And we had, well, first of all, our website went up about 20X, 23X, but we had 70,000 people that wanted to learn more. What is this intelligent financial life? That was just, that is kind of a B2B lightning in the bottle, right? Wow. You're like, yeah. wow, you've hit on something that people are really interested in. And, and that was just really exciting. So um, we'll continue to expand that. We'll have another round of that. But you're starting, it's really driven. We're redesigning our website and, you know, kind of learning from a lot of those things and really saying, um, you know, we, we say at InvestNet, we're an ecos financial wellness ecosystem that's enabling that intelligent financial life for advisors of the hero in that equation. But um, it's a purpose-driven one as well as has business impact. So that's exciting for me. I think you just answered my last question, <laughs> which we titled this podcast, the CMO series drivers of revenue. And I was going to say, is that an appropriate title? <laughs> yeah, I love that. You know, I would say, um, you know, in my year here, what, what I'm excited about are probably the leading indicators, as I just mentioned. People are really interested in this idea. They're coming back. We're seeing, you know, this return. And um, and we've increased digital, which we hadn't done a lot prior to digital media and things prior to my arrival. And the numbers of how that is impacting people, uh, not just coming to webinars, but engaging for product demos and things like that. So I think this first year, all those leading indicators give me hope and, and certainly confidence that you're going to see revenue. I don't think it happens in the first, uh, in our business, maybe in the first six months, but um, I'm incredibly encouraged and proud of those leading indicators. So if you interview me in another year, I'll tell you the revenue impact. How's that? I can't wait. Marianne, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Doug. This was great. I really appreciate it. Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, this is Doug Heikinen.